This is a great day, and uh, it is just so uh, great to be back here in Cincinnati, and uh, particularly at Crossroads, and excited to see what God has been up to and what God is uh, doing. Uh, and as you've been talking about this whole idea of being uh, one, I really felt this particular text uh, would really help us um, wrap our minds and hearts around it. It's coming out of the book of Romans, chapter 8, and I believe the scriptures will be up on the screen. If any of you are taking notes, you just might want to take a notation of where we're coming from. Romans, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. And it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Verse 9 again. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. Now, last night, they really had a challenge doing this, and I just believe you guys are just way smarter. And um, so you're going to get it, okay? You're going to actually turn to someone next to you. I mean, whichever way is up to you. And I know some of you are saying, well, what if I turn that way? And then they turn that way. So then I'm talking to the back of the head. Just be obedient in the house of the Lord. Would you do that? Okay, so just don't, don't stress out about it. Just talk to the back of their head. It might be better than the other way. Who knows? Um, so just decide right now which way you're going to turn. Okay, and when you get ready to turn, you're going to actually repeat the words that I'm going to say when you turn to that person, okay? Turn to the person next to you and say to them, neighbor, you did better already. Say to them again, neighbor, this morning, you're going to receive an ultimate makeover. All right, turn the person on the other side and look at them and say, neighbor, you look like you might need an ultimate makeover. Okay. Yeah, some of you guys said that with way too much conviction. Some of you guys were like, you look like you really know that. You guys, um, I, I, I'm an Apple um, Macintosh fan. And, um, uh, and so just pray for me because some of you that are not yet converted from PC uh, need to, you know, be delivered in the name of Jesus to... Um, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, but but I, I'm really an avid Mac fan. And so, of course, when the iPhone first came out, you know, I was not one of the ones in line um, initially, but I wanted to. My wife wouldn't let me. But I ended up getting, getting the first one. And so I just refused uh, to, even though it was cheaper and faster to get the new one, I just felt like it would not be good stewardship after just having purchased a phone that really does dial people and I can talk to them to get another one because it's newer. But the new upgrades are unbelievable. And uh, the fact that it's faster, the fact that it's got GPS like right where you are, you can actually like connect with someone else and know exactly where they are. Isn't that kind of cool? What a thing to get for your kids, huh? All right, anyway. Um, 
And so um, upgrades are amazing because they kind of put everybody on the same page and it kind of brings everybody to the next level. People enjoy upgrades. Uh, operating systems have upgrades. People enjoy getting a new car because a new car has new bells and whistles. But not only uh, technological upgrades, people kind of have physical upgrades. I mean, one day their nose could be one way and with a couple of dollars and a few doctor's visits, their nose can be another way. Uh, one day their hair could be short and the next day a couple of visits to a you know, local wig shop or a weave shop can cause them to look a whole different way. I mean, so upgrades can happen even physically. But you all, technological upgrades and technological changes, um, those things kind of fade away. Physical changes fade away. But really the greatest things that happen in our lives are those things that are eternal. And the question is, if we're going to have a makeover or some kind of change, it should be a spiritual one. And it should be one that kind of not only upgrades us to become more like Christ, but one that makes us more like him as it relates to us being one. And so as you've been in this series about one, it's so important, I believe, to understand how can we really connect with other people when we really don't know whether or not we even ourselves are accepted by God. As a Christian, um, now going on some uh, 25 or 30 years now, it's just been amazing to me to note that my greatest moments have been my moments of self-doubt. Uh, because in those moments, I've really been propelled to find the heart of God and say, God, what is it that you're telling me about my purpose? Because I don't like me. And some of you guys here today, uh, you've been following Christ for a while. Some of you might be seeking. You might be kind of investigating. But the bottom line is most of us really have this struggle of condemnation. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel like God accepts us. We feel like we need to work and earn his love and earn his trust and earn his favor. We're not knowing that we've already been given all the love that he could possibly give to us. So Romans chapter 8 is an incredible one because it's followed by one of the most popular uh, passages in chapter 7 where Paul kind of says, you know, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil that I, you know, say I'm not going to do, I do. The good stuff I want to do, I don't do it, but the evil stuff I say I'm never going to do again, I do that. He said, wretched man am I, who's going to deliver me from this? I am caught in this incredible battle between good and evil. And most of us in this room, we find ourselves in that struggle, don't we? Well, one moment we really want to live for God, and the next moment, evil is just present. And no matter how much we try to make these New Year's resolutions this year, I'm going to love everybody. Before 1208, somebody has already irritated us on that New Year's Day, you know? And it's like we, we keep breaking these promises, and because we listen, we really think that God is in heaven with this holy checklist, and looking at everything we do wrong and checking it off and saying, oh, you messed up again, I'm getting ready to judge you. Oh, you messed up again, you got to earn your favor. You, oh, you messed up again, you got to prove yourself to me. We kind of always feel unworthy. And if we feel unworthy with God, how can we ever connect with God's people? If we feel like we're not accepted by God, how can we authentically reach outside of ourselves to form authentic relationship and community with anyone else? And so he says, therefore, if any, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I just want to send you guys an instant message, a text this morning. You are forgiven. You are completely accepted by God 
You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I, what I do. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I think. You don't know what I've been through. Listen, it is not your goodness or your works that makes you accepted by God. It is what he did on the cross of Calvary that makes you accepted by God. And your belief in him, your acceptance in him, listen, it causes you no longer to be condemned. When you're accepted by God because of Christ and you're in Christ, you are no longer under condemnation. You don't have to wonder if God is up there ready to shoot a lightning bolt down. He's not. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that if you would but believe on him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. So this morning, I came to remind someone who's under the incredible weight of condemnation, you are under no more condemnation. You are free in Christ. That's good news this morning. It's good news. Now, by the way, by the way, in the next few minutes, I'm just going to help you all know something about, you know, I'm, I'm African-American. And um, some of you guys didn't know that. You didn't. It's just early and you just, oh, man, he, I guess he is. And, um, and I've been that way a long time. I mean, like, since I was old as I remember, I've been black. I mean, I mean, when I first started thinking about looking, I said, you're black. And so, um, and, and so black people kind of respond differently uh, as it relates to, like, preaching and church and stuff. And so in the black kind of culture, when, when something makes sense, people kind of say, amen, preacher. They kind of like give you a little call, call response. And so, so I just need all of y'all today to just, you know, vicariously uh, become African-American today. And so, um, so that means like when I say something that makes sense and it kind of hits you a little bit, you just kind of say, yeah, that's it. That's it. All y'all black today. All right, good. If anyone is in Christ, he is no longer or she is no longer condemned. Listen, y'all, this is huge. I prayed so diligently about what I would share with you today because, I mean, there's so many stories of what has happened. I'm going to share with you some of them. But what is it that God wanted me to share with this body today is that the only way we can authentically reach across and become one with someone else is for us to really embrace the fact that we've become one with God through Christ. We can't be one with someone else when we feel condemned because condemned people don't really build relationships. How, do you, how can you build a relationship when you're living under the whole house of condemnation every day? But when you're free from that, you're able to come out of yourself and then authentically build bridges. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. He says you are the law. And by the way, the Ten Commandments kind of came, God gave them to the, to the world and said, you know what? This is what I want you to do. This pleases me. These 10 things, do them. It pleases me. Guess what? By the time the first two came out, we already couldn't do it. As a matter of fact, the first one, you know what I mean? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Oh, wow, okay, I messed up already. You know, thou shalt not bear false witness. Oh, man, I do that every day. I mean, I mean, on and on and on, we realized we could not do that. But yet, it's what he required. Listen, he said, this is what I want you to do to please me. This is it. These 10. Do this, please me. We realized we couldn't. So the introduction of the law made us need a savior to help us do that. Jesus came and guess what he did? He did this whole legal thing perfectly because he was without sin. He honored God completely, totally free from sin, and then decided to die. Guess what that means? The wages of sin is death. Jesus never sinned. So he decided to become sin so that the penalty of sin could be satisfied in him so those of us who do sin wouldn't have to pay for sin. 
Listen, let me say it again. Jesus, who was without sin, decided to become sin so those of us who do sin would not have to pay the penalty of sin, which is death. Jesus died so that we would live. You get this? And so listen, this is huge. This is huge. So when he did this, guess what? You were in him. You and I were in Christ. When you say, I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean you're part of a religious sect called Christianity. It means you are in Christ. Christianity is a religion only because the world has to figure out what to call us. But technically, Christianity is beyond a religious sect. It is really a relationship. And we are in Christ. When you're in something, you can't be different from the thing you're in. You're inside the building. You're not able to say, well, I'm in the building, but I'm really not. I'm actually in the parking lot. No, you're not. You're in the building. So whatever happens in the building, you must now experience the same stuff because you're in it. You can't be in it and then not of it. When you're in Christ, that means everything he went through, you went through because you're in him. Are you just making sense? If I'm in my car, I'm not in my house because I'm in my car. So wherever my car goes, I then go with my car because I'm in it. So if I'm in Christ, everything he went through, I went through because I'm in him. When he died, I'm in him. I died in him. When he rose, guess what? Since I'm in him, I rose with him. And there is therefore now no condemnation because what God needed to be satisfied by the law, Jesus did it because I couldn't. And because he's pleased God, guess what? I through him can now please God. Does that make sense? Now listen, here's the key. What does that have to do with oneness? I mean, how does that have to connect with connect, connecting to other people? Huge. Because when we get this common denominator, say common denominator. When we get this common thread of acceptance by God, it tears down the walls that divide us. Condemned people find reasons to not connect. And it's called guilt. You know what? I'm not worthy to do that. I'm not, I'm not strong enough to build that bridge. I'm not, I'm not right with God enough to, to venture out and serve so you know what, let me just kind of stay in my condemnation party and, and not move outside of this. And so most people never authentically build relationships because why? They feel condemned. But people who really know that they've been set free from the power of sin and the power of the flesh, guess what they do? They lose their selfishness and they go outside of themselves. When I, um, when I moved to Detroit uh, about five years ago, actually this month or so, um, I had an incredible meeting with about nine pastors, and it was the most, the most amazing thing in the world because I'm, I'm new to Detroit, and I'm excited to be there. And, and uh, nine pastors called me in and said, hey, you know, young man, we understand you're pastoring here. Come on and meet, meet with us. I said, well, cool. And so I get into the uh, office of these pastors, and uh, they said, well, you know, all of us have, are in agreement about what we're getting ready to say to you. I said, well, great. And uh, I sit down, and they said, you know, we understand that you have a multicultural church, um, and, you know, this is Detroit, and Detroit really is not multicultural. We're, we're, we're black. This is a black city. Sub suburbs are white. Detroit is black. And the last thing we need is someone like you bringing white people back into the city. So what we're going to do, all nine of our churches, is collectively pool our energies to make sure that your church fails. Uh, I, I said, excuse me? I mean, because, you know, you're just kind of thinking these pastors are going to have a Bible study and talk about Jesus and, you know, maybe talk about the lost or how we can do something to win people to Christ. But no, they kind of said, no, 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 we've decided this already, but we didn't want to keep this a secret from you. Uh, either we're going to find something on you or put something on you, but you and your church, I almost feel like, and your band of merry men, you know, uh, 
uh, you guys are going to fail. And um, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting there literally only a month into being in Detroit trying to re recapture my brain from hearing this. And I finally said, um, well, you know, could you show me in scripture, you know, where what, what I'm doing is wrong? This has nothing to do with the Bible. I said, well, good. <laughs> you guys. Okay, that's all I need to know. You know, you're, I'm talking to crazy people here. And so I left the office. I mean, of course, my heart was heavy, and I mean, I'm just totally confused at how, I mean, nine, you know, kind of known pastors in the city of Detroit could say this. And I went back to my church and said, well, guys, I guess we finally have arrived. Um, the fact that now we've got nine huge groups of people that are uh, destroying, um, you know, what we're trying to do, it must mean that we're doing something for the Lord, because he says that uh, when you are loved by the world, uh, you are not of Christ, but when uh, those who are not a part of the kingdom, kind of like these guys were, not uh, when they begin to come against you, you've really shown that Christ is in you. So I guess what? We must have arrived. The church began to exponentially grow. We began to have unbelievable growth, and these now nine have now moved to just two, because seven of them have recanted and repented and said, you know what? We see the work that God is doing through you, and therefore we now apologize for saying what we said to you, Pastor. We shouldn't have done it. Now listen, here it is. Here it is, though. Here it is. If my opinion of those guys was not birthed out of an idea of Scripture as far as what, is it, what does it mean, listen, what does it mean to be one with God, I would be so insecure when someone comes against me with negative stuff. Because I would be thinking in my head, well, am I doing something wrong? Am I saying something wrong? But what is my barometer? What is my common denominator? There is no condemnation. I cannot be condemned when Jesus was condemned for me. There's nothing that can come against me that can make me feel unworthy because I've been made worthy by Jesus. I'm not worthy by my actions. I'm worthy by his actions. I'm not accepted by God by what I do. I'm accepted by what he did and my belief and my faith in that. And that understanding causes me to get out of myself and to cross some boundaries and to engage with some people that normally I would never engage with. Because you know what? When I do that, I'm engaging with another part of the body because it's not how you do what you do. It's the fact that we have one common denominator, and that is Jesus Christ that makes us one. Now, here it is. Here it is. I grew up in Chicago and, um, you know, in the Baptist background, yes, yeah, Chicago, uh, in the Baptist background, uh, you know, Baptist people are different. I mean, they really are. And, and they kind of, you know, have church in the Baptist, black Baptist way. And so then you got Pentecostal black people who have church a whole nother way. I mean, they, they are very excited people. And then and they really are. And then you got this other camp of people who really don't want to be affiliated with any denomination. So they're non-denominational, but they have their own denomination called non-denominational. And um, it's amazing because they have like non-denominational meetings and uh, with all of the other non-denominational churches. Then they elect like a non-denominational head. So it's like, that's a denomination. But anyway, um, but it's the denomination of the non-denominationals. All right. So, so you got this group of people. So I saw growing up all these camps of people worshiping and they never came together. And my question was, why is it that the body of Christ never comes together? What is it about the camp of Baptists or the camp of, of, of non-denominations or the camp, I mean, that we don't come together? You know what it is? We, we build camps around what we value and how we particularly worship or how we connect to God, and we don't get the common denominator, which is Jesus. Do you know when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a Baptist heaven? There's not going to be a Pentecostal heaven. Did you know there's not going to be a non-denominational denominational heaven? Do you know that when we, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a white heaven. There's not going to be a black heaven. There's not going to be an Asian heaven, a Latino heaven. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a suburban heaven or an urban heaven. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be an east side heaven and a west side heaven. 
When we get to heaven, there's, gonna be, there's not going to be an 830 heaven. I know. I mean, I mean, just a bombshell. It's just not going to happen. But every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, they will all worship around the throne of God together, and so it will be forever. And if that's the way heaven's going to look, we need to have a sneak preview of coming attractions. The worst thing in the world is to see a trailer, movie, trailer, and then go to the movie, and the movie is not like the trailer. Imagine watching the Batman trailer and knowing that this is what I'm going to see, and you go and see Mamma Mia. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Mamma Mia, but that's not what the trailer said. I went to see Batman. I mean, you're looking for Batman and the da-da and the and the so serious. You're looking for all of that, and then you go and you say, eh, you know, the whole Abba stuff, and you're like, man, I did not sign up for this. I saw a trailer with the bat, the dark knight, the bat, the joker thing. I saw that. That's what I want to see because that's what the trailer showed. Well, if the world is looking at the church for a trailer of heaven, then the church should look like what heaven is going to be like. And we need to start showing the world the body of Christ unified. Amen. One is not an option, but we can't be one when we are so condemned. And those of you in this room that are going through this struggle of feeling unworthy, I come to make an announcement. You have been made worthy through Jesus, not through your own righteousness, not through your own goodness, but through the goodness of Christ on the cross. You have been made righteous and accepted by God. What he did by his obedience and his death and his burial and resurrection, you being in him has made you accepted by God. You can come to him and say, God, you know what? I know I'm no good. I know I mess up. I know I'm not worthy. But because of the blood of Christ, I have been made worthy, and I now have access to you through him. And I worship you, and I serve for you because I am accepted by you. Does this make sense? Now, this is huge. This is huge. Let me tell you why. Because when we get this revelation, the walls that have divided us can come tumbling down. They can, it, it can just crumble. Because no longer am I separated from you because you are part of my body because this common denominator of oneness has happened. There is no condemnation. Every believer across the world, we are accepted. We are a part of the beloved. Why? Because of what Christ did. And guess what? If you're in Christ, I'm in Christ. And guess what? That makes us one. Um, there's a city called Portage, Indiana. And uh, when I was a youth pastor in Chicago, I met a friend who was a pastor who just assumed a pastor to this church, and it was really pretty amazing. He, um, he didn't know that the church that he was getting ready to pastor was a pretty different kind of church. And so he uh, was up preaching one day, and uh, I mean, great church, um, but he happened to get into Black History Month, and you know, it's the only month that we can really be black and it not be an issue. <coughs> And so all of February, we can be black the whole month, and it's just no problem at all. So we, uh, you know, just Black History Month, let's just go for it. And so, um, so this, this pastor decided that month to talk about the accomplishments and the things that African Americans had done, you know, just kind of Dr. King and stuff. And uh, as he began to talk about Dr. King and all these people, there was an unbelievable quiet that kind of hit the congregation. I mean, just a hush. And, you know, as a communicator, you just kind of know when something's not right. And so he kind of sensed that, this is not cool. So he went to his wife afterwards and said, honey, you know, was it just me or 
was that she said, honey, it just got really quiet. He said, hmm, I'm just wondering about that. So he went to one of the elders and, and deacons and said, you know, um, I just always want to make sure that I'm connecting when I, when I speak. And it seemed like during the message today, you know, when I started talking about Dr. King and, you know, African-Americans, it got a little quiet. He said, well, it should because we hate black people. He said, excuse me? He said, yeah, we hate black people. The reason we moved here is because black people start moving around our church. So we moved our church here because we think that they're not human. Can you imagine? This is the truth. So he said, you, you, you think that they're not, I mean, so you think they're like, you know, E.T. or like, you know, War of the Worlds. I mean, what do you mean they're not human? He said, we don't really think they have full souls and they're not really redeemable. So uh, we just had to get away from them. And, you know, and so this pastor is now in the middle of a church of people who think that another people group are not even human. And he's now got to figure out what, what to do. So what, what, what a sermon series he's got to start preaching. My God. So this guy decides to stay. And I mean, most of us would have been like gone, you know, like, okay, cuckoo and just like leave and just you know, be out. But this guy decided to stay and, and begin really um, very diplomatically, but very biblically, a series of messages just talking about humanity and, and, and God's uh, creation of, of human beings and the fact that, you know, we were kind of included in that group. And um, and after much prayerful deliberation, uh, after about a year, the congregation came to a vote and decided to vote uh, black people uh, in as humans. And, um, you know, uh, there were just a few objectors. I mean, it wasn't a close one, but there were a few nays. And, you know, but overall, uh, they kind of hit the gavel and said, okay, African-Americans have souls and just got to deal with it, you know. <laughs> um, that's kind of funny. But anyway. And by the way, what, what's with Christians that don't laugh? What is wrong with some of you all when stuff is funny? That's why you have no friends and no one wants to be around you. You need a makeover of like a life. You know, when, when, when things are funny, you just laugh. I mean, I know it's early and you're trying to wake up, but when things are funny, you just kind of respond like, ha ha, you know, a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> and so this church now finally agrees that, you know what, well, we believe that black people have souls and, and they need to be saved and God's plan for man includes them and all that. So they said, well, well let's, let's get an African-American preacher to come and preach here since we've never, ever had a black person anywhere near our church. Let's get a black preacher to come. Now, listen. Now, now, now I, I think Halle Berry is a wonderful actress. She, she's an incredible, I mean, great person. But, you know, on certain movies, you don't know if Halle Berry's black or not. I mean, uh, I mean certain act, and it's not, it's not an indictment. I'm just saying because of her skin color and just the way she looks, you know, like an X-Men when she had the little wig on. And her, you know, if you really didn't know it was Halle Berry, you might not know she was a black woman. You'd be like, that's Halle Berry, but who is she? She's not, you know. But when you see me, there is like no question whether or not he's black or not. I mean, it's like. Oh, he's black. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's African-American all day long. I mean, he's, he's black from this rise in the sun to the going down of the same sun. Harvey Carey is black. So, so me going into this church, it was going to be very obvious from the parking lot to the, to the pulpit that this is a black guy who is going into a church that hated, listen, hated black people and thought we did not have souls and were not human. So imagine going to preach in this church. I, I, I get in there and... Um, and I, I'm in the pulpit, and I get up and preach. And, I mean, you're looking out at people who really have, for the majority of their life, hated black people. And so you're preaching the, the good news. And so, um, so I'm preaching, you know, I'm doing it, you know, and, um, and God is so favorable. I mean, the word of God is just powerful. The word of God works. I mean, your opinions don't matter much, but the word of God really does work. And, I, and so I preach what the word of God said. And, and I mean, all of a sudden I felt, you know, a, a break in the, in the congregation. And this one, this lady on the front row, she, she, she was at least a hundred years old, I promise you. And, um, 
I mean, and so she was, she was sitting there and she was red. I mean, she was red the whole service. I mean, just like, like you know, she's obviously upset that this black guy is like defiling her uh, pulpit. And so uh, she's looking at me and she's just looking, you know, and she's folding her arms and she's fiddling and, you know, and she's just, you know, just. And finally, at the end of the sermon, uh, she says, come here. I said, yes, ma'am. Because she's an old lady, you know, you just got to respect old people regardless of where they are in their journey of belief and thought. And I just went to her and I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I don't like black people. I said, yes, 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 ma'am. I and mean, what are you supposed to say to that? Um, okay. And she said, um, and uh, you're the first, you know, she, and she, 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 she didn't use a bad word, but she had a derivative of, 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 of the N word. And she said, you're the first that we ever had in here. I said, yeah, I've heard that. And she said, you know, this is a big deal for us around here. I said, well, yes, ma'am. She said, I want you to know you preach the Bible. I said, well, well, thank you, ma'am. She said, I've never been this close to, and then she used that word again, derivative. I said, well, okay, and that's pretty uh, commendable that you have not been that close, but we're close now, and this is great. And she said, um, well, go ahead and put one right on my, on my cheek here. And so I went ahead and put my black lips on this white, lady, this white lady's face. And on that day, the beginning of God's healing and restoration occurred in that church. Now they've got a, I didn't ask this yesterday, they had a black pastor, one of the associate pastors on staff at this church. Because when we realize that we are one in him, whatever the things are that divide us come tumbling down because it's not our camp, it's not our thoughts, it's not our opinions, it's not our way of worship. It is knowing that we are one in Christ that makes us connect with people. And you all imagine if Cincinnati would ever get to the revelation that it's not about this church or that church or the other church or this side of town or that side of town, but we're all connected by and through the blood of Jesus. Can you imagine what God can do in the city of Cincinnati in this region? Can you imagine it? But God is calling you to get it. He's calling each of you to get this. You are forgiven. You're not under condemnation, so stop acting like condemned people and start walking into the newness of life. The last thing he says that really blesses me is he said, those who live according to, verse, verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature, they have their minds set on sinful things. But those who are controlled or living by the Spirit, guess what? They think about spiritual stuff. He says, when you are, when you are converted, when God is in your heart, your mind changes. You're no longer focused on sinful stuff, but you're focused on how can I move the kingdom of God further? I am committed with every fiber of my being in my lifetime to see the body of Christ begin to come together. It is just a mission that God has given me. Our church is multicultural. I didn't start it that way. I did not intend it to be that way. I have no idea how it, how it happened. I mean, I just, just don't even know. Um, in the heart of Detroit, Michigan. But God has caused us to be this incredible movement of people who are doing unbelievable things. Why? Because we've gotten the revelation that if our minds are spiritual, we stop thinking about condemning thoughts of how God can love me, how God can accept me, what can I do to be accepted. We move away from that camp and say, you know what, I'm accepted by God. Even though I'm in a journey and I'm struggling in some areas, I can still serve him. What a joy to know that over 300 of your people are going down to, to, to serve and, and to help those with, who've been ravaged by Katrina. What, what an honor to know that your body cares about the least of these. Listen, y'all, can I tell you this? Katrina has, has happened a minute ago. When people still care about stuff that has happened a minute ago, it's no longer a fad with you guys. You guys are genuinely committed to the least of these, and that is something to be commendable. I think you should give yourselves a hand for that. That's unbelievable. 
That's to be commended. It really is. You can't serve when you're selfish. Let me say that again. You can't serve when you're condemned. Do you think that all 300 of those people that are going down there feel like they're perfect? Well, we're going down because we're sinless. And our hands have never been tainted by the sins of anything because we are completely without sin. And so that was, that's kind of part of the application. They asked us, what's our name, our address, and are we totally without sin? And, of course, we said we are, and that enabled us to go down to serve. Not at all. There's some people that are going to be going down there, man, that are broken. There's some people that are, listen, there's some people going down there to serve who actually may need serving in their own life. But they're going because they have lost this sinful nature thinking and they begin to think like Christ would have them think. Not about me, but about others. Guess what that does? That makes us one. He said that sinful nature can be changed to a nature that begins to be spiritual and it causes us to think about Christ. Finally, and this is my final close. You know, preachers have three closes. And, and by the way, and by, and by the way, um, you know, my ch I, just, I just love, I, I'm enjoying this multicultural journey that God has me on as a pastor because uh, it's just funny. All my black people get to church 15 minutes late, and my white people get to church about 15 minutes early, right? And um, so all the black people that get there 15 minutes late, they want me to keep preaching like 15 minutes later because they got there 15 minutes late, and all my white people who get there on time are like, oh, no, 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 baby, you're going to finish the time that we said because we, we, we got here on time. And, um, and so it's just so funny, culturally, even as I'm speaking, for some of you, you're having a hard time with this because many people are really into three points and, like, particular points that you can, like, write down and say, okay, that's point number one. Good. Okay, and we're progressing to point number two. Very good. And we know that three means conclusion. So we know that that's a wrap-up time. Point number three, good. That's about three more minutes on the other side of that point because that means closing. And so when I don't do that, some of y'all are totally in the wilderness right now. Some of y'all are like, okay, was this his first point? And if that's the case, then what the heck time are we going to get out of here? So anyway, it's just funny to me. So this is my final close. So figure that one out. He says, you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. Paul ends with this incredible statement, you, however, are not controlled any longer by the sinful nature, but you are controlled by the Spirit. You are not under the allegiance to something that is dead. Your old nature, whether you know it or not, is dead. The moment you accepted Jesus, guess what? There was a rebirth. And your old sinful nature was crucified with Christ. It's dead. It's dead. And guess what, what happens? The night of the living dead tries to happen. Where your old nature tries to come up and says, I'm still here. And you have to remind it, no, you are dead. And I am not controlled by you. I've never, ever gone to a funeral home and seen people in the funeral home with commentary about their state. You know why? They're dead. I've never seen it. I mean, I've been preaching for a while and doing funeral services. I've never seen anyone saying, you know, why am I wearing this? Who put this on me? You know, this is not my color because I'm dead. And what I wear doesn't matter because I'm dead. Uh, why am I here with all these other people? 
I'm a very private person. They got me in this parlor with four people, strangers I don't know. I've got to share this parlor with four people. I don't like people. Well, you're dead. And regardless of where I am in the parlor, it doesn't matter because I'm dead. And dead people don't have opinions about who they share the parlor with. You are dead to yourself. And when God places you with people that you normally wouldn't be with, that has nothing to do with, well, I wouldn't normally be, well, who cares what you would normally do? You are dead to yourself and alive to Christ. So if God places you in a situation that you normally wouldn't be in, say, oh my goodness, this must mean that God wants his life to show through me in this situation and not my death opinion of what I want. And guess what happens when this occurs, when we realize that we are no longer controlled by our sinful nature we begin to act like Jesus because we're no longer conscious about being evil and sinful and and under the control of the influence of the enemy we actually begin to act like him and guess what we do when we act like him we begin to do stuff like him listen you all whatever happened to us being the body of Christ and showing the world what Jesus can actually do I'm not talking about a bunch of people meeting in a building and singing songs and stuff and then not changing the world but I believe that we indeed are the body of Christ and when Jesus walked the earth miracles happened when Jesus walked the earth, unbelievable change occurred. And when you get the revelation that Jesus is in you, you will begin to act like he acted and change the world like he did. And so here's the challenge as I get ready to take my seat for the final time. Then it's what we do. We put our glasses on. And then we get our Bible. And then we still talk. You have been commissioned this morning to walk in a newness of life. Wherever you are on your journey, you're not condemned anymore. Jesus has accepted you. Pastor, I drink, I smoke, I curse, I've got all these thoughts in my head. I know he doesn't love me. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. He didn't wait till you start coming to crossroads and, and being a part of this for him to now accept you because you're connected to a community. He accepted you while you were yet a sinner. And if he can love you when you were far from him, and if he can die for you when you were not even a part of his family, how much more will he now love you now that you are a part of his family? He's forgiven you. Walk in a newness of life. And with that, reach out to someone else and become one with someone who's quite different because you're in a parlor with somebody that you normally would not normally talk to, but you now have no option because you're not alive to you. You're dead to you, and you're alive to Christ. Does that make sense? Are y'all ready to change this city? Are y'all ready to change this town? Are you all ready to move forward with some power? Let's pray together and believe God. Let's bow our heads. Father, you are awesome. And God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we've had to gather around your word, God. This, this message is so important because if we don't get the revelation that we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace, oh God, we'll miss the whole deal. We're not accepted because of what we do. We're accepted because of what you did. And so now, God, breathe upon these, your people. What a great people this is. And help us to realize that we've been positioned to change the world. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for loving us. And it's in the name above all others that we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and every saint said amen and amen. God bless you.